says, can you see no, I <laughs> Here I am being trying to be the good technology elf and uh, turning off buttons, and I turned off the wrong button. <laughs> technology is our friend. This is KUCI in Irvine. I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. This is part two of What Would Arwen Do? This Tuesday, I think on the last show I forgot to mention the day, Tuesday, June 12th, 2012, and uh, that was the Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore from the Fellowship of the Ring, and that was the from the Complete Recordings, and that was music from the Shire. And my very special guest today is Nathan McCarrick, and here I was w- w- trying to have a little Hobbit music just to uh, get us... So let's, uh, yeah, but we got to have a little Hobbit music to just <laughs> put us in the mood. Put us in the mood. What did I do? It is. There it is. Mm. I love that. Howard Shore. <laughs> so Nathan is the producer director of The Hobbit Play, which is currently playing in Fullerton at the Maverick Theater. And you can still get tickets that will be running through the uh, through mid-July, can you give us a little information? Oh, it ends on July 14th. It plays on Fridays and Saturdays at 8 o'clock, as well as Saturdays at 3 o'clock. Uh, and um, it's about two and a half hours long. You can get in- tickets at www.mavericktheater.com. That's T-H-E-A-T-E-R.com. Uh, and there are still tickets available, except for this Friday. Don't come this Friday. Okay. <laughs> well, and this is, so this is a stage production. Yes. And uh, last uh, hour, so I hope people will uh, listen to the podcast from last hour. We got to hear a little excerpt that's up on YouTube from Riddles in the Dark. And what what was the what did we um, what did we search on that? To, to <coughs> we, uh, if you type in Maverick and Hobbit and Gollum, G O L L U M, you will uh, you will find an excerpt from our production from two years ago, uh, which is more or less the same production uh, this time around. We've it, added some things and, and adapted some things, and we have a few new actors, but it's more or less the same production. Of the Bilbo and Gollum scene from the show. I was very impressed. I cannot. I can't wait to uh, find a, a cohort and take a trip out <laughs> to Fullerton to see uh, the production of The Hobbit. So, um, Nate, I thought this hour we could talk a little bit because you're an alum of UCI. I am. And uh, just because as an elf, I always just want to encourage people to not abandon their dreams <laughs> of living a life of creativity and you know sometimes we do have to have a different kind of job or sometimes a different kind of job for a while right. but I think if we persevere we can have a life that includes using our creative gifts and talents that Iluvatar has given us Absolutely. to enrich not only our old lives but the lives of those around us and here you are doing <laughs> Uh, stage and yeah. and all. So tell us a little bit. First, tell us a little bit about just being here at UCI. When when was it? And uh, I was, was an your? undergrad uh, in the theater department at UCI from '98 to 2002. Uh, I graduated with honors in acting uh, in 2002. And um, my focus uh, while I was here, I actually focused as much as on acting as I did on scenic design and scenic construction. Mm. Um, I lived kind of two parallel lives. I were in high school. 
I was always uh, I would always you know be on stage and, and working backstage and it was okay to do that when I got here to UCI the, there's kind of the line you have to do one or the other I'm like what do you mean I can't push that set piece on they, they say there's people to do that for you you know so <laughs> so I actually ended up living kind of parallel lives where ah. I would uh, I'd spend a lot of my time in, in the production studio working um, uh, uh, with the uh, the TD to, to build uh, sets and donating time on shows and and I ended up getting pulled into a lot of side projects just to build uh, build people's sets for them and work on lights while at the same time I was doing a lot of acting so and and, and on both sides I was kind of more active than most people are in the theater department like I was all always busy I was all, and and it's just a matter of doing it like uh-huh. there's always there's so much opportunity out there and uh, and and one thing I always loved about about going to UCI and the um, the art school here was that there's nothing but opportunity there's so many stages and there's so many opportunities mm. to do projects and all you have to do is put your hand up and say I'm going to help and yeah. and people will will take you and then you volunteer a dozen times and then the next time you're in charge of something and then you're in charge of something a dozen times the next time you're producing something you know so it's really the more you just go out and, and make yourself available, it's you just naturally discover that um, there's a there's a need of leadership. And if uh, that's how I ended up doing anything was because I was like, <laughs> I'll do it, and then I'll do it, and then no one else is doing it. Okay, I'll do it more. Yeah. Um, so so then when we when I graduated, me and my friends uh, always had a dream of you know creating our own theater. Everyone always has that dream. Um, fresh out of uh, out of UCI. Um, and so I, I, I tried that. I, I was actually a, a, a freelance scenic designer for a couple of theater groups Around for about here. six months, just in Southern California. Yeah. Uh, and I, I got a little bit of work, but you know, then I ran out of money, and then I had to do, <laughs> I had to do the basic thing of getting a real job uh, um, for a while. But then eventually uh, things worked out, and I was able. I partnered up with um, with my partner at the at the at the Maverick Theater, and we uh, built this theater in Fullerton. And um, and my, my other income was all arts related. I found myself as a uh, a manager of a children's theater improv mm. uh, group, and mm. I'm, I also run a late night improv comedy group at our theater. And all of my, um, all of my life, I mean, everything I was doing was arts related, and that is, I think, a, a, it's a rare thing, but it's it's clearly doable. Like, yes, like you there just is have to do it. <laughs> yes. Um, so I've been very lucky to do that, and. Um, and especially at the Maverick, to be able to there, I get to do what it is that I always want to do. I get to uh, be in shows and build them and design wow. them and uh, direct them. I get to do. I get so to. So you have choose everything. You you and your partner are the ones who choose all of the you know the productions. Do you do you write them? Do uh, you look, have, how do you look for? I scripts? have written as well. Actually, my last project was an original script of uh, Robin Hood that I wrote. Oh, um, really? I love Robin. Hood. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may have ruined it for you because I, I did like a very deconstructing sort of oh, take really? on Robin Hood, where I took it in a much more realistic way and tried to analyze the the um, the legend of Robin Hood. And Actually, I like all it. of all of that. In fact, yep. uh, yeah, I I I like all of that. Uh, well, what if it would have been like this that's, kind of scenario? That's very much what, what I took it been, from. You know, I feel like I mean, in fact, I'd like to see even some of. The, that's what I feel like with Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. with Arwen showing up. You know, well, what if Glorfindel? Right, wouldn't have been able to come you know arwen could have come and that whole thing you know her rescuing frodo definitely could have happened um i like the retelling lately kind of some of the retellings of the fairy tales i haven't gotten to go see yet uh snow white and the huntsman Uh um but i'm you know i'm excited to see to see that and um you know just to to, some different takes on things so uh, i mean i love you know i'm 
um, you know, my girlish heart just goes pitter-patter at the original Robin Hood with Errol Flynn and <laughs> Olivia de Havilland. In fact, one of my favorite scenes in the whole world is Olivia de Havilland, you know, standing there and, and facing, you know, um, the prince and, you know, saying, you know, he says, you should be ashamed. And she says, if I'm ashamed, it's, uh, I'm ashamed that I'm a Norman. And she, you know, <laughs> does this whole thing and is so over the top, but oh. it's so amazing. But, you know, that's like the classic, you know, right, right. Robin Hood story. But I would love to see you know, something. So how did you kind of deconstruct Robin Hood? With, well, with Robin Hood, I really started with all the ideas about Robin Hood that I think um, were sort of silly. Uh-huh. Uh, um, like, Green tights. Like, like, yeah, the tights and, you know, like the idea of the Making sheriff. Making fun of the friar. And I actually kept the friar. I, okay. I kept him kind of holy. But yeah, you know, you're right. No, I hate but, when people like make him into this drunkard. Like, I'd rather yeah. him stay a good character. Yeah. But you take like the, when the sheriff steals Lady Marion to go marry her. Like, like, really, that's his plan at this point. His big <laughs> strategy is to marry a girl that yeah. he doesn't like. So I, I took all those things that I always thought didn't work about them, and I started from a different place. Where And I had the sheriff and Robin Hood actually start off as very close friends who were both coming mm. back from the war. And mm. their lives, actually, by, by chance, went in two different paths. And Robin ended up uh, leading these men in the forest, and the sheriff ended up rising to power as the sheriff. Oh. And at the end, they come back together, and they say, we're friends, but we have ended up on the opposite sides of this conflict what, what, wow how so it's this? a real archetypal thing like the darth vader you know <laughs> i mean how he turns and anakin and, and then also i don't know if you saw the, you know wolverine origins <laughs> i love that his brother goes you know gets totally you know taken to the dark side <laughs> robin and, hood versus saber yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's i that, i love that i bet yeah. i would have loved that so i'll when have a was that? That. i can send that to you as well <laughs> oh yes i would love that, that, that so when was earlier, that just earlier this year we did that um in march and april of this how year. long did that run that ran for six weekends as well yeah did do very well very very well uh-huh. very proud of that um the, oh. the, the only problem with that show was that uh, it was that uh, as soon as it ended i had to dive right into the hobbit yeah. <laughs> and i wish i had more time uh, to work on the hobbit beforehand because as soon as it was done i was working non-stop for the next month and a half until the hobbit opened and i just barely made it in time well maybe it was a rush maybe you could do because i i would love to see have someone do and i don't even know if you could do it uh, you could probably do it on if you can do the Hobbit. The Tale of Bryn and Luthien uh, from the Silmarillion. Uh-huh. That's such an amazing, amazing story, you know, and just, I just feel like somebody is, I mean, uh, obviously <laughs> it could, would lend itself very well to a movie, but even mm. to a stage production, there's so, there's so many great, innocent, like, scenes, you know, that you could incorporate into into a play or something. Maybe yeah. it might be up to the challenge <laughs> someday. Um, or even, you know, the children of Hurin, which, you know, um, Jared Tolkien's son, Christopher, you know, f- uh, published the last year or so. so. Anyway, let's get back to The Hobbit. Yep. So, so you... Um, you started the, how long ago did you start the, uh, your own uh, theater company? Uh, the Maverick opened, uh, this, this incarnation of the Maverick opened in uh, 2005. It was, we, did you actually build it? Uh, well, mean, the building existed, uh, right. as in they were brick walls. Uh, but you put there <laughs> Everything else we put in wow. from scratch. Uh, I mean, everything. Uh, we spent nine months, you know, basically like three or four of us, you know, painting the ceilings and rigging up the lights and uh, we're was it, was it exciting though? It was, it was crazy. Like I, I quit my job to do this. I, uh, I actually 
broke up with my girlfriend at the time to do this because I was like, you're not, you're not going to like me for the next nine months. I'm going to be really busy. And so I really put everything in my life on hold just to build the theater. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's paid off. Um, I mean, to be able to do the stuff that we do um, and get the recognition that we do, too, is really, really worth it. Wow. Um, we, we try to do with theater. So do you that, almost always have something going on? Oh, yeah. There's always something going on. We have two stages. So whenever, so we're oh, always really? building one show while the next show, while the current show is playing. So as soon as one's done, the next weekend there's another show that's up. Wow. Yeah. So how is that, though? Like, just in, in your it's mind, busy. do you, like, <laughs> I mean, it seems like you get, like, this split personality. Because one of you... You know, like, say for now, you have to be kind of immersed in making sure The Hobbit, you know, happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But right now, you're obviously working on something else. Well, I fortunately got a little bit of break coming my way right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, okay. um, so my partner's got the next uh, show. And then after that, we, we actually dive into our, um, our holiday shows, which we bring back every year. And they're kind of easier for us to do every week <laughs> or every year because we don't have to put as much effort into them each time. So we're kind of ending our... our well, at least I'm done with my busy time. Uh -huh. Since I've been going, since uh, December has been nonstop between Robin Hood and then The Hobbit. Um, like as of last week was my first night off. I think <laughs> in nine months. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's a lot of work. Well. Thank you for one thing. Thank you for, for doing that because <laughs> because the world is enriched for by your oh, you. you know giving your time and energy to the arts <laughs> and to bringing these things you know for our enjoyment. Um, what's the other show that's uh, that's coming up after the Hobbit? Uh, the next show after the Hobbit is called The King. It's an original musical uh, that my partner uh, Brian wrote. It's about ah. the return of Elvis Presley um, oh. and what it would be like if he showed up uh, today and had to claim that he was the king and no one believed him <laughs> oh, oh how funny is it so is it a comedy it's a comedy it's musical a, and yeah. it's you know it's, it's a review of elvis the whole, whole way you got like 20 elvis songs that are performed with a live band throughout the course of it so oh, that's uh, great. It's yeah it's definitely a fun show oh, how much fun yeah. i was gonna say i bet that's gonna be a lot of fun now is the hobbit considered a musical no we no. do i mean there are two songs we have the dwarf song and uh -huh. we have um the song sing or the, the songs the, the the men of lake town sing uh, the king under the mountain okay. when the, the dwarves arrive but it is definitely not a musical, and uh, the King Under the Mountain song is not sung well. I will, I will tell you that, because oh. I sing in there, and I'm not a good singer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and each is only like 30 seconds right. long, so right. no, it's not a musical. We actually had uh, someone show up uh, to, in the audience last week who needed to see a musical for school credit, and, and we were like, this isn't a musical, but please stay and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, oh, how funny. So... Um, Tell us a little bit about okay so how many do you how many people do you employ that you know work at the theater like full time do you have you know full time uh, prop people set people we, costuming I mean there's there's I mean, four of us you're in charge of a lot of stuff there's four owners of the theater and okay. we I mean, no one gets paid. It's all volunteer. We, you know, everything we do, we, we just put in because we love it. And you, but you quit your day job. Well, I, once the theater was built. Oh, I okay, got a new okay, day job. okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, at some point, you for, have to have some. For income. nine months, I didn't yeah. have a job. That is very true. Um, so, so. Um, a lot of the heavy weight, the heavy work of building sets and the costumes and, and lights is done by the, this core group that owns it. But then every, all the volunteers all bring something to the table. We have you know outside people who come and and, and help out with every aspect of it. And all the oh, actors that's are volunteers. Wonderful. Uh, it's it's. That's I mean, we like couldn't KCI, do it without them. Here at KCI, we are all volunteers. No. 120 something DJs and management and everything. Every one of us. Are, of course, we're only doing it. You know, like. 
a few hours a week, but sure. uh, but still, we do it because we're passionate about what we do, and yeah. we love to, and we want to see the station continuing, and want people to have music that they won't hear on the mainstream airwaves. So, yeah. so we it's, love doing. It's it. very much an active labor for the theater too. I mean, everyone in the Hobbit. I mean, it's it's a hard show. Like <laughs> at the end of two and a half hours, we are <laughs> ragged. Much? We've all got injuries and bruises and cuts on us. But uh, you know, we, every day everyone comes back and says, "Yep, we can't wait to do it again." So how how large is the cast? Uh, the cast is twenty five. Really? Year. Yeah, um, and that's and that's a and then large the cast for us too. Do you have? Uh, um, we had um, so a lot of the costumes we uh, we built. A lot of them we mm-hmm. can borrow from other local theaters. Okay. Um, this project was easier because two years ago we had a lot of the costumes done already, right. so we didn't have to make too many. Um, uh, my costumer Heidi built uh, a, a dozen new goblin um, war outfits this uh-huh. year, which is very exciting. Um, and then, and then there's then there's other creatures like the trolls. Um, are, oh, the trolls! They, like they're, they're not, be really big, they're, right? Yeah, they're they're like uh, I think twelve feet tall each. Are they on stilts they're, or something? Um, no, they're actually they're kind of puppets. They're, oh. Each troll takes three people to to operate. Wow! Um, and oh so gosh. it's the head is huge, and it's yeah. you know it's ten feet up in the air, and then it's another puppeteer operates each hand to the side of the troll, and the and the three of them lumber on stage, and it's uh, I mean if you if you don't know what you're expecting, you're like what is this? What am I seeing? <laughs> it's it's enormous. It's bigger than you can imagine. They have a cave troll. Um, I do have a stilt walker in the show. Oh really? Uh, she um she plays Cobb the spider. Uh, so, uh, so she's so she sl- slinks on in, and she's got and she's got all these extra limbs coming out of her, and she comes out through the mist, and they have and she fights with Bilbo. Wow! Uh, yeah. Oh so we, we we get some some pretty big effects done in a very small space. Well, um, I just seeing the tra- again. There's a little. Um a little teaser on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, about a, le- a little over 11 minutes long, uh, from Riddles in the Dark. And I have to say, I was very impressed with your <laughs> golem. He is great. I mean, you know, in The Lord of the Rings, we see Andy Serkis, yep. amazing. And it's, you know, uh, with motion capture mm-hmm. animation. But, of course, Andy Serkis had to do oh, all sure. of those things. But we don't actually, see, we are not actually seeing Andy Serkis in the, you know, general flesh mm-hmm. when we see him on the screen. Your Gollum is in the theater, is in the flesh. Yep. Is that guy like a gymnast? or what <laughs> it, I mean, no, but uh, you know what I mean? He reminded me a little bit of uh, like Natiri and Avatar, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just, and even... Andy Serkis, I mean, just the whole, he's got the whole golem slinking yep. around. He just happens thing. to be very skinny and very wiry. Uh, his, yeah. name, his name is David Chorley. Uh, he's, um, and the voice. He's, he's got, got the a great voice. He's like, it's, I mean, he's only on stage the whole show for for that 10 minutes. Like, that's his only scene. Um, yeah, that's right, because Gollum's kind of gone yeah. from The Hobbit after that. But uh, but it steals the show. I mean, no matter how, all the yeah. other all the other scenes in the show, as good as they are, there's, it's, there's something rare about just Bilbo and just Gollum and nothing else besides this dark scene with them circling each other like it's it's, and it's scary a, it, uh, you have a great Bilbo because you, you had so said good. that you had a really good yep. and I was like yeah I do like that Bilbo <laughs> yeah. yeah he's Nick McGee he was also a, um, a graduate here at UCI at the, of the uh, now are most School of the arts. people that are involved with this production are they um, are they Tolkien fans do you think um, a lot of them are a few of them um, a few of them are not um, 
but most of them are like one like one guy uh, my buddy Evan who came on board uh, he had never done theater before in his entire life two years ago he had never done theater but he he's, was a big Tolkien fan he showed up he says I want to do something I don't care what and I was like <laughs> alright you're a goblin and you're a troll and so and now he's just like one of he's just this crazy fighter like he's so good and he just fights and he's very excited about it yeah. and there are other people who are who love theater but but this is their first right. time really doing anything like this deeply you know in fantasy and right. and they get swept up as much as anyone uh, it's it's really cool to get a variety of people. I got to give a shout out to Ryan Omelia out there, who's my playing my Elven King right now. Um, he because he texted me during our last hour. He he said, "Hey, you're on KUCI." <laughs> <laughs> so I just I'm awesome. gonna give him a shout. Well, that would be a very cool um, cool part to play the Elven King. Of course, yeah. this is this is Legolas's father. Is it? Uh, yes, oh, I yes, know the that. Ki- yes, the King of Mirkwood is the uh, is is Legolas's father, and. Uh, so yeah, he's not uh, he's not uh, Thranduil. I mean, actually, I'm not sure if he's named in the Hobbit. He's not named in the Hobbit. He's but, only uh, referred to as but, Elven King. But I happen to have the the, uh-huh. the, the, the encyclopedia. Of Earth, yes, and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, that is uh, Thranduil, which is uh, which is Legolas, which is kind of why I think they're able to bring Legolas into the Hobbit. Yeah, definitely. Um, but. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Now, are do you have very many elves? I have to ask. There is. There are <laughs> a total of uh, five elves. Oh, okay. There's the Elven King, and then there's um, there's he there's a his his sort of no uh, his assistant is named Galleon, and Galleon mm. was a character in the Hobbit. But um, in this script, you know, we we sort of took a a few different characters that that had lines here and there, and mm-hmm. condensed them into one character named Galleon, so that <laughs> someone could have more time on stage. <laughs> do you, so, do you have the scene where the um, the Two elves are drinking, <laughs> and they uh, and they kind of nod off, and that's how Bilbo. We had that scene the- two years ago. Two, we I did have that scene where they drink. Uh-huh. He brings the he brings the wine down, and they right. drink really heavy, and they pass out, and then the other elves come down, and they say, "Wake up, you fools! You we got to move out these barrels." We had that scene two years ago, and I actually cut it this for this year just uh-huh. because it was a, it was just a little extra time that we didn't need, right? Um, and because it, it didn't necessarily aid the story too much. So yeah. they still we still throw dwarves into barrels and we roll them oh. around on stage and, oh, we throw okay. them, and we throw them off stage uh, and that's very exciting to put an actor in a giant wine barrel and roll them oh around oh my god i bet it's uh, exciting for them too <laughs> yep they're like are you and it always gets laughs because every time people Seriously? are like wait that's really happening yeah. they're in there they're in there <laughs> So, where did you find like wine barrels? Are, do they have a special release for a release or something that they can pop right out of them? Uh, the, the, the quest for the wine barrels two years ago was a long one. I ended up tracking down some guy in Norco who just sells barrels usually and would turn them into like planters. And I, oh. uh, I it took a long time to find someone who had yeah. them that big. But I found one and I I, uh, I bought them from him and I cut open the tops and it, it reeked of wine inside. We washed them out for like a week. And then the, uh, two years ago, I spent, I, I kept on going back and forth. There were all these different contraptions on how to secure the lid yeah. so that it would come off, off and on. And it was always hard. This year, I just built a hinge on top. And oh, we're just going to pretend that wine barrels have hinges because it wasn't worth the hassle well, from two years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, why not? You know, I mean, they're elves. They're pretty resourceful. Sure, they yeah, can well, definitely they? make hinges. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... And you've got Smog. Now, is Smog um, a puppet kind Smog of thing? Smog is a puppet, it's a big, for sure. big, giant He's, puppet, we only in, encrusted with jewels? He is encrusted with jewels. He <gasps> has um, he has so many jewels on him, uh, and he's super <laughs> glittery, uh, and, uh, and I operate his jaws, so I get super glittery every day because <laughs> I get gold yeah. dust on me. Yeah. Um, we only see his head. He's so huge that we only see the head. That's all that's ah. on stage. Uh, 
um, but oh, uh, that's really cool. It, it takes, I think, a dozen puppeteers to operate uh, small. Really? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how Peter Jackson brings that giant. Yeah. I, I don't even want to see anything before. I don't think they will show anything. They, maybe so they'll good. like teaser like an no, eye no, no, or nothing. something, but I don't nothing. think they'll show anything. Yeah. Well, maybe just no, not even nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. So um, yeah, Smog was actually one of the one of the biggest when we first started doing this show or when we started thinking about doing it. My first thought was, you can't do this show. There's a dragon. How do you do a dragon on stage? A giant dragon. Right. And then and then reading the book um, was what sold me on the possibility of doing it because in the book he, he shows up and he just has a conversation with Smog and then everything else that happens about Smog is only told in the past tense about what had happened at right. Lake Town, what did happen when Smog came out. We don't, it doesn't happen live and I said, yeah. wow, you know, with the presence so of the storyteller, wonder- we can do that. And you kind of wonder what Peter Jackson, is he going to do a flashback scene? Oh, I'm sure he, he'll enjoy every second. Yeah. I mean, it'll probably be half an hour of war. Yeah. yeah, he likes a lot <laughs> There's of no way he can skip yeah. on that. Um, <laughs> but again, if you're just tuning in, this is What Would Arwen Do? Part 2 of our last show for this quarter. And then taking a little break for the summer, my very special guest today, Nathan McCarrick, who is the producer-director of The Hobbit Play, currently showing at the Maverick Theater in Fullerton. You can find information at www.mavericktheater, that's with an E-R on the end, mavericktheater.com. And um, so I wanted to ask you, too, about a little bit about just uh, the... So when you originally thought, you, had, you know, you've got the theater company going and they thought, you know, oh, I'd like to do something, you know, The Hobbit, or did you, did you originally think that you would write the script or did you go script hunting or well, how did it come about? It started with script hunting. Um, it actually started... I mean, did, you, did, it, did it, was it like, oh, I'd like to do The Hobbit, let's look for it or I'd like to do something? It actually came, I, I had directed oh, a production because... of Treasure Island. Oh, okay. Uh, and then, and in, the, in Treasure Island, I experimented with having some puppets. I had a couple of the, um, oh. um, I don't know if you know the story but there's this little cre- there's actually a, a golem like creature um named Ben Gunn he's this old hermity sort of pirate who's been on the on the on the uh, island forever and i used, i did him as a as a small pu- puppet and i did uh, this other crazy like death pirate as a puppet and it worked really well and people reacted well to it and so my partner said well what else can we do with puppets and swords and he goes what about the hobbit Nate and I go oh you can't do the hobbit that's not possible what are you talking about and then I picked up the book and then I read it and I said oh it's possible <laughs> and then we went script hunting and oh. and there there are some truly truly awful scripts out there oh. um, the, one of the scripts I picked up um, the example of how bad it is that I always tell people is that um, when it gets to the scene with Gollum uh, it, it, when he finds the one ring and he puts it on the stage directions in the script you mean with Bilbo? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah when he finds when the, Bilbo finds the ring yeah. uh, the stage directions say that, um, that the, the actor playing Bilbo should wear a placard around his neck and one side of the placard should say visible and the other side should say invisible and the actor should flip it around oh, so that we no. know whether he's visible seriously or not. so I'm reading these and I'm like oh <laughs> no this, oh, these are God, this awful bad yeah yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it was a long quest, and 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 then and then it really came down to let's get the highlighter and just start marking up this, the novel, and let's and let's make sure this is the version of the story that we want to tell yes. because a lot of the um, the scripts out there really truncated the story. In fact, almost all of them end 
at Smog's lair. Almost every single one ends with oh, Bilbo really? going into Smog, and then either Bard runs in and shoots him with the arrow, or uh, or for some reason Bilbo just stabs Smog in his in the the hole in his chest yeah. and he dies. And it's the end of the story. I'm like, no. The whole the, to me, like the whole point of the story is that you think the danger is Smog, but but Smog's not the danger. The real danger is what happens t- in Thorin's heart. It, it's it's the greed that happens about this treasure long after the, the dragon is dead. Because mm-hmm. what happens on the, at, at the, on the Lonely Mountain when the dwarves have the treasure and the lake men want it and the elves want it and everyone's fighting for it? That's, to me, it's what is far like more dangerous. It's kind of like with the ring. The whole Absolutely. thing with the ring. It's like, you know, Boromir wants the ring. Yeah. Aragorn's, you know, resisting. Everybody's resisting. Mm-hmm. All the good guys are resisting. But there's still, you see everyone being tempted yes. from this it's ring. That, that just wants to. It's like, if I, oh, if I had it, I could do good. Mm-hmm. And, you know. And oh. so that's when we you get all the great twists of the show is people mm-hmm. all the betrayals and all and and people you know thinking they're doing the right thing it, it all be, all all happen well after smog is gone and mm. so it, it broke my heart that any script out there missed the point of the novel in that way so <laughs> wow uh, yeah oh that's great i'm so glad that you preserved that i think i think uh, the professor would be very pleased <laughs> yeah we, we we tried really hard to make sure it was as as close as possible and then how long did it take you to like you know fight in the casting to find you know to cast for it well i knew i knew nick was bilbo the instant i the instant it, it started there was never a, a production without nick mcgee as bilbo that was always a given uh, he, i mean i've known him forever and i he was he was just he was like i said he was born for this role he's just perfect for it um and then after that it was it was you know um i i know our first run it, it took us the longest time to find Gandalf. Because you don't have 13 dwarves. We don't have 13 dwarves. We have five dwarves. We, we tailored them down. You had to find five dwarves. I, uh, I had to find five dwarves. Oddly enough, it's not too hard to find big, hairy men uh, in theater world. Oh, okay. <laughs> Surprisingly. And Thorin? Because uh, I know that... Thorin in... is, is, is a nice, hairy man. His beard oh. is massive. And so is uh, Dwalin's beard is yeah. massive. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, in, uh, this has a little background on Durin. I was going to play... Um, the professor singing Durin's song mm. and here this is a wonderful Tolkien's world from A to Z in case you are a Tolkien fan and you do not have this you'll want to add <laughs> this to your library The Complete Guide to Middle Earth by Robert Foster which the hardbound version actually has illustrations Ooh. by Ted Naismith <coughs> excuse me but um, here on the um, on the entry on Durin's folk folk it says in 2931 Thorin II recovered Erebor and Durin's folk once more had a home and could be would become wealthy. Although Balin's colonization of Khazadum in twenty nine eighty nine failed with the death of the Belrog and the passing of Sauron mm. in the War of the Ring, Khazadum may have been recovered by Durin's folk in the Fourth Age. Well, it says over here in thirty eighteen, so this is the entry on Gimli. Uh, in 3018, Gimli accompanied Gloin to Imladris. So, in 2989, when Balin was defeated, you know, Gimli was around, uh-huh. you know? And there, he was chosen to represent the dwarves in the Company of the Ring and guided the companions through Khazad-dûm. Um, and so, you know, of course, we have the whole thing where he finds Balin's tomb, and, mm-hmm. you know, which is such a... Um, I don't know about you, but, I mean, I, I do have to say in... Um, I love all of the things with Rohan, but in the Fellowship of the Ring, you know, when they first go into Moriars, and then Gandalf lights, let's you know, have a little more light, uh-huh. and you see the that. Of I w- it was just like 
I mean, I'd never seen, and that wasn't even in 3D. I'd never no. seen anything on the screen no. like that. Well, I mean, and to me, even when I read, when I read in the Lord of the Rings, and you have a sense that it's really big. I don't even it, it, just the way that Peter Jackson actually brought that visually was so amazing. Yes, and and what, one of the things that I will I love about the movies so much. I mean, they're obviously amazing in almost every aspect um but one thing that he did better than everyone was doing at the time was that he used miniatures whenever he could he used miniatures and models and anything that was real rather than cgi like there's still clearly lots of cgi but at every opportunity it was miniatures and it just always looks better that's why the old star wars look better than the new star wars there's something tangible about being able about it being real um and he he nailed it with that i mean that's Uh, that's why those scenes look so good because they're real House of Doom and running across that bridge and mm-hmm. the bridge is falling away and that Balrog comes out there. I mean, you know, I like the elf things. Uh-huh. <laughs> but as far as just the visual representation uh-huh. of uh, Moria and Casa Doom and their journey through that and uh, running across a bridge. I mean, that was so amazing. Yeah. And of course, you know, he, Peter Jackson was breaking ground back then, you know, in so many areas. I mean, never before had, you know, fantasy films weren't even getting nominated for Academy mm-hmm. Awards, let alone sweeping them. Yep. But even just the things that he was doing, you know, of course we see the armies and, you know, yeah, the like whole battle. They that, invented the technology that every movie now uses to yeah. create Battle and apparently he's got some tricks up his sleeve again. I believe it. That, uh, you know, will he'll be um, unleashing on us. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay, so you uh, you found a script, uh-huh. and, then, and you, then you cast it, and then do you, when you build these sets and you build mm-hmm. stuff, do you, do you have a big warehouse somewhere that you store all this well, stuff, or do you have to make them all fresh? We have to make them all fresh. Uh, we do have a, st- a warehouse, but we don't keep everything i um when we first did the show i actually i had a a school related job and we were doing it during the summer so i actually had free time 24 7 to work on the hobbit which was amazing so all i did for for six weeks was eight hours a day i would work on the set or the or the puppets or or the fight choreography and then at night we would rehearse it and then the next day i would do it again um and so i was literally just hobbit all day long, all day long. This year, I've got a day job. Uh, and uh, so it was, it was actually a lot harder this year yeah. to squeeze in those hours. But um, no, I had to build the set from scratch again because when we closed last year, we didn't think we were going to be doing it again. We know we, the, the show was done. Who thought we would be, uh, it would be back? But I did keep the trolls. The trolls have been yeah. living in the warehouse for the last couple of years, fortunately, so I didn't have to rebuild them. Uh, and lo- all the props, you know, right. the, the barrels still existed. Didn't have to track those down in yes. Orco again. Uh, and I've got a growing arsenal of weapons uh, in my house for the stage uh, for the stage fight sequences. So, so um, in so for those uh, perhaps who are listening that maybe either students we have mm-hmm. you know this is we're coming up to finals week and graduation yeah. this coming weekend so there'll be people graduating just as you did mm-hmm. way back in uh, 2005 2002 to, 2002 and they're probably hopeful that they'll be able to do you know take their art mm-hmm. and their craft into the world and not have to work as a waiter or waitress <laughs> for too long yeah <laughs> oh gosh i had a, a question that i just wanted so what would you say to someone to do like just out of school would you you know because obviously they're gonna have to start paying some bills yeah um but what would, would you just like you mentioned before just have them uh go and volunteer places but what if they want to get gigs and what if they want to how do they how would they go about that <clears throat> they i mean 
It's Can it, we contact you? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could pay I'm them gonna, all. I'm going to go out to Fullerton. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's hard work. It's I mean, the, right. the truth is, it is it is very hard. Um, and the key is is literally not to give up, and more importantly, not to get dis- disheartened by it. But they can get involved with a theater company yes, or something because and... all the time they can always be doing sh- things like this. Like I mean, everyone who does theater, like everyone who's in the hobby, no one's famous from it, <laughs> no right. one, and no one's going to become famous right. from it, and no one has the delusions that this is like their meal ticket. They were doing it because that's they love why it. I like doing radio. I would never want to do television. <laughs> I like my anonymity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I mean, so if your goal is to become famous, I can't help you. Right. Uh, if your goal is to do something passionate that you care about, then there is always opportunity. Um, will you always get paid for it? Not necessarily. Um, but doing any any project you do will always lead to another because it always introduces you to new people, mm-hmm. and those people are always doing another project, and those people are who have friends who are always doing another project. Right. And it's I mean, it's sad to say that it's not who you know what you do but who you know but it's true because theater world is a community and the more you um the more you know people out there who are going to help you or not necessarily help you but who will respect what you bring to the table the more they're going to want to use you um i mean talent is is talent and whether you're coming as an actor or a designer or uh building sets or costumes if you are useful people will grab you and they will hold on to you and then you'll get passed up the ladder (laughs) so you'll be off on a new adventure yeah yeah (laughs) Well, again, my uh, guest today, Nathan McCarrick, the producer-director of The Hobbit Play uh, and of the theater company out the Maverick Theater in Fullerton. Nate, uh, I talked a little bit earlier because this is my last show for the quarter, just taking a little break for the summer, and I wanted to play a little bit of The Professor. Mm -hmm. I love hearing The Professor's voice, and I thought I would play. I have an excerpt of him... um, uh, doing Duran's song, oh. but um, I had asked you earlier if maybe you could read a little portion to kind of set that up. I would be proud to. And but while I'm doing this first, so I'm going to actually put in to give us just a few minutes here, and because I want to have it for this uh, this second hour, we're going to hear the dwarves. This is an excerpt from the trailer mm. of the dwarves singing, and this is in your production as well, oh, yeah, them yep. singing the Misty Mountains Cold. Here is Peter Jackson's version that we will all be able, that I'm so excited to actually hopefully hear the full version of the dwarves singing um, from The Hobbit, the Misty Mountains Cold. This is KCI in Irvine. Far over the misty mountains cold Two dungeons deep and caverns old The pines were roaring on the Hopefully technology will be our friend. Mm-hmm. These are times when I, I, would, I could really use an, affi- an assistant. So this is from uh, J.R. Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Ring, and it's A Journey in the Dark. 
And so they're in Casa Doom. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be... Oh, I'd love to hear you reading some of Gandalf's words. I'm going to have you read a little bit. So from here uh-huh. on, and this page, and then we will have the professor with Durin's song. Gladly. So um, hold on. <laughs> Did I just lose the whole thing? Did the I book has fallen in the crack of Casa Doom. Oh, okay, that's okay. We, we still have the part we need. I know. I... <laughs> It's like I have other books, but these are all marked up with my special (laughs) parts. They had marched as far as the hobbits could endure without a rest, and all were thinking of a place where they could sleep when suddenly the walls to right and left vanished. They seemed to have passed through some arched doorway into a black and empty space. There was a great draft of warmer air behind them, and before them the darkness was cold on their faces. They halted and crowded anxiously together. Gandalf seemed pleased. I chose the right way, he said. At last we are coming to the habitable parts, and I guess that we are not far now from the eastern side. But we are high up, a good deal higher than the Dimrill gates, unless I am mistaken. From the feeling of the air we must be in a wide hall. I will now risk a little real light. He raised his staff and for a brief instant there was a blaze like a flash of lightning. Great shadows sprang up and fled, and for a second they saw a vast roof far above their heads, upheld by many mighty pillars hewn of stone. Before them, and on either side, stretched a huge empty hall. Its black walls, polished and smooth as glass, flashed and glittered. Three other entrances they saw, dark black arches, one straight before them eastwards, and one on either side. Then the light went out. "'That is all that I shall venture on for the present,' said Gandalf. "'There used to be great windows on the mountainside, "'and shafts leading out to the light in the upper reaches of the mines. "'I think we have reached them now, but it is night again outside, "'and we cannot tell until morning. "'If I am right, tomorrow we may actually see the morning peeping in. "'But in the meanwhile we had better go no further. "'Let us rest if we can.' Things have gone well so far, and the greater part of the dark road is over. But we are not through yet. It is a long way down to the gates that open on the world. The company spent that night in the great cavernous hall, huddled close together in a corner to escape the draft. There seemed to be a steady inflow of chill air through the eastern archway. All about them, as they lay, hung the darkness, hollow and immense, and they were oppressed by the loneliness and vastness of the dove halls and endlessly branching stairs and passages. The wildest imaginings that dark rumor had ever suggested to the hobbits fell altogether short of the actual dread and wonder of Moria. "'There must have been a mighty crowd of dwarves here at one time,' said Sam, "'and every one of them busier than badgers for five hundred years to make all this, and most in hard rock, too. What did they do it all for?' didn't live in these darksome holes, surely? Those are not holes, said Gimli. This is the great realm and city of the Dwarodelf, and of old it was not darksome, but full of light and splendor, as is still remembered in our songs. He rose, and standing in the dark, he began to chant in a deep voice, while the echoes ran away into the roof. The world was young, the mountains green, no stain yet on the moon was seen. No words were laid on stream or stone, and Durin woke and walked alone. He named the nameless hills and dells, he drank from yet untasted wells. He 
stooped and looked in mirror near, and saw a crowd of stars appear as gems of a silver thread above the shadow of his head. The world was fair, the mountains tall, in elder days before the fall of mighty kings in Nagathrond and Gondolin, who now beyond the western seas have passed away. The world was fair in Durin's day. A king he was on Tarvan throne in many pillared halls of stone, with golden roof and silver floor and runes of power upon the door. Light of sun and star and moon in shining lamps of crystal hue, undimmed by cloud or shade of night, there shone forever fair and bright. Their hammer on the anvil smote, their chisel clove and graver wrote, their forge was blade and bound was hilt, their delver mine the mason built, their burial pearl and opal pale and metal wrought like fish's mail, buckler and corslet, axe and sword and shining spears were laid in hall. Unwearied then were Durin's folk, beneath the mountains music woke, and harpers harped and minstrels sang, and at the gates the trumpets rang. The world is grey, the mountains old, the forge's fire is ashen cold, no harp is rung, no hammer falls, the darkness dwells in Durin's halls. The shadow lies upon his tomb in Moria in Khazad doom, but still the sunken stars appear and darken windless mirror near. There lies his crowd in water deep till Durin wakes again from sleep. Pretty amazing. <laughs> I've never done a duet with Tolkien I before. That was know. wonderful. <laughs> that was the professor himself with Durin's song from The Fellowship of the Ring and Journey in the Dark. Nate, it has been such a joy having you here. Thank you for having me. This has been one I'm always eager to talk about the show. <laughs> <laughs> so wonderful. And good luck with The Hobbit. Again, could you, you give out uh, the contact information for our listeners in case they are interested? It's a very short little trek out to uh, Fullerton, and the play is still running how long? It, it runs until uh, July 14th. Uh, it runs Fridays and Saturdays at 8 o'clock. It also runs Saturdays at 3 o'clock until July 14th. As I mentioned, you can get tickets at www.mavericktheater.com, or you can call the box office at 714-526-7070. And my phone is 526. I wonder <laughs> if I'm crazy. It's, oh, man, I should just check the website. Maybe. You'd think I would know my own phone number. I never call it. It, it, it <laughs> might be 526. I, well, actually, 562 is like Long Beach, so maybe it is 526. I think I, I just don't call know. it. Who knows? <laughs> if, you, if you call 526-7070 and don't get the Maverick, call 562-7070. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Tani Tanuvio. I am taking a break for the summer, so this is the last show that uh, will be up on podcasts. I'll be back in the fall with bells on, and I have already have some amazing guests lined up for the fall and we'll have a whole new show uh have a wonderful safe summer please be kind as you're out there driving around be careful of of um, people on bikes and scooters and motorcycles and don't be a car bully so be kind to each other and uh, i would love to hear from you anytime during the summer you can send me an email at ask an elf at yahoo.com a-s-k-a-n-e-l-f ask an elf at yahoo.com and for our closing song, oh my gosh, it's way too hard, but I think I'm going to have to play, I'm going to break with a little tradition, and I'm going to have to play um, The Breaking of the Fellowship <laughs> as our closing. It's not The Breaking of the Fellowship entirely, it's just a little break. So, um, 
I am Tani Chinuviel. This is KUCI. We are Orange County's alternative radio station. I hope you will stay with us because coming up in just a few minutes, the amazing Heather with Rachel Ray's cooking accident. And I want to say a very special congratulations not only to Heather as our program director for next year. She works tirelessly at such a hard job, and she's so amazing and also does a music show, but also to all of our incoming uh, staff for the next year and to those who uh, will be leaving us for a while thank you so much because we are over a hundred strong here all volunteers all the time bringing you mainstream bringing you music you will not hear on any mainstream stations or public affairs programming I mean where else do they have a show hosted by an elf? And you can check us out at www.kuci.org. I will leave you with Academy Award winning music from Howard Shore. And until then, Nathan, thank you so much. Thank you. Ellen Salalumen Amentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. <laughs> and uh, to all my friends, until next time, Namaria.